Welcome to season four of the Lighting Your Way podcast. This season, we will hear from all types of guests who share their experiences, their insights, and their personal stories. Being covered by health insurance doesn't always mean that your health care services will be paid for. There are rules and processes and plenty of bureaucracy. Why do you think healthcare is so expensive? Going on behind the scenes when your doctor or nurse practitioner orders something like a test or a medication or even a reconstruction surgery after breast cancer treatment. And even though you have insurance, sometimes those tests or their surgeries are denied. In this episode, I talk with Monica Nash and Lori Rivkin, two of my colleagues at Guardian Nurses. They share their tips and their stories on how to fight an insurance denial. Lori and Monica, welcome. I, uh, I'm grateful to have your expertise here this week. Thank you, Betty. And thank you for asking us to join you. Yeah, I listen, I always love talking to you. Um, you always have some wonderful stories that you are working on or, or have completed uh, stories that have to do with cases that you're working on. And I think that, you know, it's important to try to help folks listening understand uh, particularly about what we're going to talk about today, which is insurance appeals, which strikes fear and, and loathing into the hearts of <laughs> patients that have to deal with an insurance company. But the work here at Guardian Nurses involves both clinical, which is, you know, maybe getting a second opinions, expediting care, but it also involves a lot of insurance work. And you gals are top of the list uh, at effectively navigating that for patients and successfully resolving most of the cases that you have. So that is why I come to you for your expertise to share with our listeners about just how to go about uh, an insurance appeal. So uh, no pressure, but that's why we're going to, it's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> I, I, I often think that when patients or even nurses see the word appeal or they're going to do appeal, it does strike a lot of fear and, you know, you, that you can't tackle with the insurance company, but you can. And as you said, a lot of times we are very successful. Yes. Um, and, and I think, I know, Monica, when you, you've been a clinical nurse for a long time and starting at Guardian Nurses to do insurance appeals, uh, I know that that was not top on your list of favorite things to do. So uh, tell us. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I used to be the person you would bring a patient in, they'd come up to the floor and you'd be putting them into bed and getting them settled. And they'd say, here, here, let me give you you my insurance card. And I would say, oh, I don't need that. I don't need that. You're here. You're mine. I'll take care of you. Right. <laughs> now I'm kind of looking at it differently. Right. <laughs> right. So now not that you're on the other side because you're still taking care of that patient. Yes. You're just doing it yes. uh, by phone mostly. So Monica, yes. there was a case uh, that Lori and the three of us were talking about last week, which I thought was particularly compelling. And I wanted to talk about it today and also bring Lori into the conversation because of her experience also working on just appeal cases. But this particular one uh, really resonated with me and I know that it did with you. So can you tee up that story for us, the case? Sure thing. Sure thing. So I, I received a patient who had 
left side of breast cancer. She had a mastectomy. She went through chemo, radiation, and she was ready to have reconstruction. Now, the backstory is that her her remaining right breast was very large. Um, once they had removed the left breast, her right breast it gave her pain in her neck and shoulders. Um, it began to twist a little bit. It's graphic to think about it, but this is the life that she lived while she was going through chemo and radiation. So she went to her plastic surgeon, and it was time for her to have her reconstruction. And he said, you know what? Before we do anything, we need to do reconstruction. We need to reduce some of that tissue in your, your remaining breast because first things first, that's giving you pain and discomfort. The second part of it is I can't, there's not enough flesh to reproduce. And our goal is to have symmetry and comfort. She was very, very pleased, very happy. Um, so pre-authorization was put through her insurance company and it was denied. Initially it was denied? Yes. Yes. The very first round it was denied because no matter what, they considered it cosmetic. So I had to do a little bit of research because this is right. She should be able to have reconstruction after all she's gone through. So there's some research that I did, and there is an act. It's called the Women's Health and Cancer Rights Act. Uh, they often call it WHCRA from it's um, from 1998. And what it guarantees is is that if you have cancer, your treatment, including reconstruction, anything to match, to make that a symmetrical match is covered mm-hmm. by insurance. I um, mean, it's an act, group health, the, yes? Yeah, this is the Women's Health, tell me, tell me, say it and again. Cancer women's, Rights, sure. Cancer women's Rights health Act. Okay. And cancer, yep, WHCRA of 1998. And this is and a it, federal it inclu- law? Yes, it is. And it wow. includes all stages of reconstruction on the breast of which the mastectomy was performed, surgery and reconstruction of the other breast to produce a symmetrical appearance, as well as prostheses, anything for lymphedema. So it's shocking to think that this is denied because the insurance company reviewed just the, the authorization and said, nope, this is cosmetic. So they, did they know that she had had cancer? Because I know that, um, Breast reduction is not typically covered unless there's, you know, back pain and discomfort and neck pain. So do you think they were reviewing kind of not the whole case? Well, she had chemo. She had a mastectomy. She had radiation all through the same insurance company. Right. Um, I really think someone just looked at the codes and denied it. Okay. Just simple. Looked at the code. Okay. And I so agree we- with that. Yeah, I agree I, that that's what happened. I I feel like a lot of insurance companies do that. They don't look at the whole picture. They look at codes and procedures, and I do the rationale on why what is going on with that patient or why they need that certain code or procedure done, and therefore it's just based on someone's very manufactured or very task oriented okay. without looking into the whole picture. And um, did she get a letter explaining why, or was it just denied? Yes, one page, one page, and it went to her provider as well, and it said that, um, unfortunately, your plan does not cover this procedure. It's considered cosmetic. They also included hospitalization, 
well, she would have this as outpatient. It's pretty fast. Okay. So this was just the initial was was denied. Okay. So when when did you get the case? Was that at the time that it had been denied? I got the case. She is scheduled for surgery next week. She's had pre-admission testing because they had given her authorization initially and then sent a letter through that said, no, it's denied because it's cosmetic. So obviously there is a sense of urgency for next week to try to get this approved. Right. Cause, right. She's probably been scheduled for a while. And now all of a sudden. Yes. That they, you know, yes. 23rd hour. Okay. So you got the case and what were, what were your first steps? To, like, tell us if, if, I mean, if patients can do this, if they have the wherewithal, they can do this too, but you're a nurse. And so you take the case and run with it. So what were your first steps? My first step was I needed to get authorization through the insurance company because they won't talk to you unless there's, a, uh, it's a HIPAA, it protects people. So you get the authorization. I also called the provider's office and I spoke to them. And uh, many times with insurances, if it's, if it's something that's denied, physicians can do peer-to-peer where they make, they, they make a phone call that's provided to them by the insurance company. They'll call and they'll state their case. And when it says peer-to-peer, they will be discussing this with another provider who has experience similar to theirs. There are times you can ask for that. Um, there are times that it's not included. So unfortunately, in this particular case, there was no peer-to-peer, but I did ask for a letter of medical necessity. And the provider was very specific in why this needed to be done. And he also referenced the Women's Health and Cancer Rights Act. Mm, okay. So so if a patient had been doing, if the, if this woman had, again, you know, had the energy, because she's probably dealing with a lot of other things, the energy yeah. to call her provider and say, you know, can you do a peer-to-peer? Because isn't that typically when the provider gets the uh, denial, don't they typically, you know, call the insurance company in a way of challenging that decision? Not all the time, Betty. It has okay. to be. First, you have to know that that can happen. And the second right. thing is, I think, unfortunately, a lot of providers are swamped right now. Right. Okay. So in, in doing that, um, and Lori, you would echo that too, right? Because I know that you're doing some appeals recently that you've had to reach out to doctor's offices. So, Correct. Every, 100%. Right. Sometimes right. if you have a doctor's office that's... Um, that that has the time to advocate for the patient, or a lot of times you have to be persistent with them. They say, "Oh yes, we'll do that. We'll write that letter, or we'll make that call," and then you find that they don't because, as the saying goes, there's only 24 hours in a day. Right. But right, and in this case, it was because it was so time sensitive. Monica, you kind of continue yeah. to push a little. Oh, oh, I, <laughs> I am a persistent gnat. I don't go away. So I just put it on my schedule every day I call, twice a day, in the morning and in the afternoon, just to check. <laughs> and also, and you know what else helps? And I've done this. I had one provider that had never done that before. So I sent a skeleton letter. Here, fill in the blanks. This okay. is what we're looking for. This is what the denial was based on. And I think that's really important, too, that people should know, use the specific language so if it's denied because it's not medically necessary, you need to prove why it is medically necessary. 
Okay. Those things are very important. And um, that's another thing that I've done for a provider here. This is how you can do it. And it worked. We won that one. I feel that a, a lot of the specialists are more in tune to doing appeals than a regular good old family yeah. doctor or mm-hmm. a practitioner. Because well, a lot of the specialists, the surgeons, are more used to getting denials and and know the system a little bit better. Okay, mm-hmm. so this this is a plastic surgeon who we're talking about in this case, Monica. So yes. was he uh, was his office able to help with your work? Yes, yes, and that's another thing. The in in offices. The authorization department, that's who you can work with, too, because they're used to dealing with multiple insurance companies, and they know how to funnel things into the right area. So if, again, if a, if a patient was trying to do this on his or her own, they would call their provider and mm-hmm. ask for who, the billing department or the authorization department? Authorization. 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 Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So did you do that in place of the patient doing it? I did. I did. The patient had attempted calling her insurance company and was very frustrated because she had spent probably about two or three hours on the phone, disconnected, felt like she never got the same answer. So I went directly to the provider, spoke to the authorization department, got the letter of medical necessity, um, followed through with sending that as an urgent appeal to her insurance company, and we should have an answer by the end of today. Oh, and wow, that's 20, great. Yeah, 24. Yeah, they try They try to make it, for, they tell you 48 hours. Okay. I continue to call. <laughs> you, there is no <laughs> clock in your office. It's just, you're just continuing <laughs> that, to call. You have reminders set we, on your phone. Correct. And that's why uh, Monica is the normal ray of the advocacy team. Oh, you have a you have that a, title. Nice. He's uh, that's that a, title. That's an auspicious title, Monica, to have the Norma <laughs> Ray. <laughs> well, you know what? Might is right. This this woman deserves to have this surgery. This right. th- she deserves this, and that's her insurance benefit. It needs to benefit her. Well, I listen in a perfect world. That is true. But sometimes, and this has been my experience over almost 20 years uh, at Guardian Nurses, is that that is not necessarily the way that insurance companies uh, act. Um, Benefits are, um, I I think I remember way back when, um, that insurance companies are trained, the folks that work there are trained to say no in the hopes that if they say no three times, the patient or whomever will go away. Um, you know, and that's, True. it doesn't feel Badly. good. Right. It doesn't feel good because you're on the other end. And I know patients and their employers feel like they're paying for these benefits and yet, you know, they're not getting them. Uh, but just in this instance, right, this is a woman who's gone through an entire treatment protocol mm-hmm. for breast cancer and is expecting at the end of that to have uh, her body put to get put back together, you know, to make her whole. Mm-hmm. Uh and to have that denial seems like it really put a wrench in everybody's plans. So how will you hear? Will you will you will she will the patient uh, learn? Will the surgeon who's going to hear uh the good news? Each insurance company is a little different. So in 
to ensure we get an answer as soon as possible, I've let the patient and the provider know, please call me, check your emails. Um, sometimes there's letters. And also, I call the insurance company a couple times a day to find out the, the status. <laughs> Usually in the morning and in the afternoon. Right. They're, they're probably got caller ID. That's <laughs> her again. It's her. Ah, <laughs> uh, geez. Tell her but I'm at the lunch. It is, it is interesting. We we filed an appeal, but often we're the last to hear. Oh, what okay. Type okay. of response. Generally, it is the patient or the doctor's office. Okay. So, um, you know, it's a... Often you're, you know, you are calling and saying, can you, or you'll call the insurance company and they'll say, oh, we sent a letter out because obviously Monica's appeal is an expedited one. Not all appeals are like that. Sometimes okay. once you file one, it's generally like 30 to 45 days before you hear a response from the insurance company. So what, what makes this uh, more timely? How do you, how do you kind of um, uh, expedite this? I mean, how? How do you make this an expedited appeal? You have to call the insurance company. And, and you is have it... to have very specific details. Why? Because they'll try to funnel you to a regular one, which, as Lori said, will take a long time. Okay. Um, but if you keep pushing, they, there is such a thing as there's an expedited. And the difference is you fax it so it gets there, and then you just continue to call. Okay. You know, what's interesting to me, listening to you both uh, in the work that you do, there's a lot of uh, paper, right? Like in this 2022, almost 2023 age of technology, right? Where folks are doing, Mm -hmm. you know, DocuSign and all these different types of technology to expedite communication. The insurance companies are still (laughs) relying on, right, you know, sending a letter, Right. Through the mail, because mm-hmm. I know that mm-hmm. we get these letters at, at headquarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just interesting. I I wonder, well, I guess it's because it's slower. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that, that's the appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Because then, you know, 30 to 45 days. I know there's also been issues when when our nurses uh, and you may have experienced this. You can tell me that we send something, we fax something to an insurance company and then we follow up to make sure that they got it and their answer is no, we didn't get it. Right. And mm-hmm. it does feel sometimes like there's this black hole in the fax department where things go. <laughs> have that, have you Correct. had that experience with the, with an, an appeal in your career? Oh yes. Mm. Okay. I so have th- to, I've sent- I have to. And it's very frustrating, especially if you're under a time crunch, because right. you do only have a certain amount of time to do an appeal. Okay. They, what, you know, they'll give you a denial and they say, you need to let us know you have the right to appeal this, but within 60 days, nine. And each, again, each insurance company is different on what their standards are. Okay. Is this information about appealing? Is this, um, in their in a an employee's or a, a patient's um, plan benefit, I know that when we sign up for benefits each year, there is paperwork, of course, and there is a what's a document called a benefit plan summary. Is mm-hmm. that is this type of information in that uh, booklet? No. Yes, I, and it's also I do not believe it in is. the denial. 
in the denial letter, that's when you really find all the information. When okay. you get a denial letter, it's very laid out. Um, and some insurance companies will even send you the forms. It, you, you have the right to appeal, and it will tell you you have a first-level appeal, you have a second-level appeal, and you can, t- you can do an external appeal. And it's all laid out in that letter. Some of those letters are 15 pages long. Okay. So when, when someone is scheduled for a procedure or a surgery or a diagnostic test, they need to get approval if their plan requires that. Yes, correct. And correct. then often if they do not get the approval, then they will ask for an appeal. Or in some cases, I'm working on two cases right now, the patients, and it's just for nothing as extravagant as the surgery that Monica's patient needs, my two patients both need MRIs, oh. but their insurance company wanted them to do A first, then B, okay. and then they would approve the MRI. Well, one of my patients was in so much excruciating pain that he could not even have an x-ray and do conservative treatment. So he on his own went out and paid for the MRI, and now I'm in the process wow. of trying to get him a reimbursement, proving wow. that... If he would have done, if he would have gotten the x-ray and done the conservative treatment, it would have caused more harm than if he just, but because he did his, you know, he, he on his own paid for it. A lot of, unfortunately, a lot of our patients would not be able to do that. Right. So at this point, it's an appeal, but it's more of an appeal for him to get reimbursement because ultimately he did need that MRI. The x-ray wouldn't have shown anything. Then he would have done conservative treatment and probably could have caused more damage. He has, he has tearing. The conservative treatment would have been not at all beneficial and could have caused him more harm. Wow. So he paid for the MRI himself. Wow. That's a, Correct. That's a dramatic Correct. Um, solution. And one that, Correct. to your point, is not necessarily possible for a lot of patients. I mean, an MRI has got to be at least $1,000. Do, do you know well, what he paid? It depends on where. Correct. Correct, and he was in the in the in the position to be able to put that money out. Wow! But like we said, unfortunately, some patients are not, and then they are left waiting. They they decide, okay, I'm I can't do the X-ray and I can't do physical therapy. So then, that that is with my other patient. She tried physical therapy, and it's just too painful for her. And we're going to appeal, saying you asked her to do this, but she can't. Right. So please, you know, you need to approve the MRI. Wow, it, it, and yet a doctor ordered the MRI. You know, so she and both of them were evaluated by a physician, and the physician ordered an MRI to continue the diagno- diagnostic process. No wonder physicians are frustrated, right? Correct, so, and, and and patients too, because often they feel, well, my doctor ordered it, then it should mm-hmm. be paid for, and that's right. not always the case. A lot, a lot of times, that's not the case. I saw that a lot in home care. Okay. My, the doctor wants a nurse to come every day. The insurance company they're going to they're going to deny that. Okay. So it is very frustrating. And you know, another thing that's going on too, Betty, is um, someone goes to the emergency room. They feel terrible, and they they are admitted to the hospital, and physicians take care of them, and they're discharged, and their insurance company says, mm, "We don't think you should have been admitted. We're not going to pay for this." We have those denials, too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's sad. It's really sad. And you're looking at $10,000. Yeah. 
for a three-day stay, and people are making payments on it. And they were sick. They didn't decide that they were going to check themselves in to the hotel hospital. They right. they right. felt sick. Right. And, and, and if the doctors thought they needed to be admitted, then they're not going to say, no, I don't think I should be admitted. You know, you, you, you trust the decision. You put your, your respect and trust into what the physician says you're going to do. And it's very disheartening to our clients, our patients. And when they get home, they get a bill when they say, no, you shouldn't have been in the hospital. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And they're basing that decision on clinical records? Like who's determining that that was an inappropriate admission? Is it based on like codes or like, I don't, I don't, I I think our, I mean, I'm kind of surprised, right. That after, to your point, a three day admission, because when I worked in case management, you you had to get approval from the insurance company Mm -hmm. and it was, you know, within 24 hours because the hospital didn't want to get stuck without get, without getting paid. Sure. Sure. This is a three day stay. The one that I have right now on my desk is a three day stay. And it is, they do have, they use clinical references. They do not use codes in the one that I have. And they just felt that the, the, the labs, et cetera, did not support a stay in the hospital. Jeez. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yet they had no, it, it's funny. Like they didn't see the patient. They didn't examine the patient. They, wow. Correct. They just based it on post. It's kind of like Monday morning quarterback. Like, ah, oh, you know, could have done that. Yeah. Could have done that. Nah, he didn't really need oh, to. Oh, I wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Uh, so, so diagnostic testing, Lori, you've done that. Now, Monica, you're talking about a surgery. Now we're talking about admissions to the hospital. What else mm-hmm. is, is, is going on out there for you? Medication. medication. Get denial for medication. <laughs> wow. Okay. Denial for medications are a big one. And yeah. again, because. using the same reasoning that the the insurance company doesn't think that they should be on a medication. That's because it's expensive. Correct. Well, yeah. Or something a little bit cheaper. Or you need to try A and B first before we're going to approve approve C. Yes. Okay. And it's typically based on that- cost, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I had an interesting one where I had a patient that the physician decided they needed IVIG infusions. Okay. So in and order what, to do that, there were tell us, 15 tell us, hoops. Tell our listeners yeah. what IVIG is. Oh, it's immunoglobulin. And, and, and it's um, typically it's an infusion that's given in a patient's home or at a clinic, depending on you know, where they live. And what it does is it works with your, um, with your immune system. So I had a patient that had a very rare disorder and the physician said, I know how we can help you with IVIG infusions. Okay. Many hoops, 15 hoops had to be jumped through for this to be provided for the patient. And she was so happy. She called me and said, I have a letter. I can get my treatment. <laughs> so I said, oh, do me a favor. Send me a copy of that. I want to keep it in your file. Well, imagine when I read it, do you know what the insurance company approved? What? They approved the nurse to come to her house and give it to her and the IV equipment, but not the medication. Oh, minor detail. <laughs> that was a minor detail for right, sure. Right. Uh-huh. And she was so excited and had set, she thought she had everything set up. 
Oh, yeah. So, uh, so what? <laughs> they didn't pay for them or didn't authorize the medication. Well, that seems was another like appeal we worked on. Seems we like an ineffective treatment plan. Yeah, she did get it. Correct. She did Atta get girl, it. girl, yeah. Monica. Good job. <laughs> I was angry. <laughs> Norma well, Ray again. That's Norma right. Ray. That's right. It doesn't make sense, right? You think of it and you think, wait a minute, why wouldn't you approve the medication if you're approving all the other stuff? Particularly to have a nurse come yeah. out and have the right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Show me the letter. Again. I have to read it that myself. Was someone, right. And that was someone at the insurance company that wasn't looking at the whole picture, which happens a lot. Oh. And you know what? A lot of the appeals that we get to are people that um sometimes our patients already had something approved. And they change insurances. Oh. And one insurance approved it, but another one will not. Oh, right. So often it's going back and getting old documentation on why this was approved. And I recently had a case where it was a medication and my patient was on it. She, they switched over and the new insurance company was actually asking for a test so that she would qualify for this medication. The funny thing is the test that they were asking for was a test that the insurance company would not even cover. She would have had to pay out of pocket for the test. This is true. This is true. Uh, so, yeah. Wow. So, you so what happened? Why so I, that actually went to an external appeal. Okay. And that one I knew I, would, I felt pretty confident that I was going to win because that time at least there was a set of outside eyes looking at the whole picture. Okay. You know, it, and it was... That what's ridiculous that you're asking for this test, but yet you won't pay for it. And That's my funny. my point was, even if the insurance company did pay for this test, my patient had been on this medication for over well over a year. Uh-huh. She would have quote unquote passed the test and wouldn't met their standards or guidelines. Oh right, because right. She was reaping the benefit of being on this medication. Oh good job, needed. Lori. Yeah, I want to try to sum up some of the tips that I'm hearing that both you. Uh, Monica and Lori have have shared. And I think the first one is be persistent, right? I think that that, I heard that pretty clearly from both of you. Um, The other is, Monica, you you use the term, use specific language, right? So for a patient who doesn't necessarily know what language to use, you know, what, what can they do on their own? Look at the letter, and for instance, if it says um, lack of medical necessity, that's when you talk to your provider. What does that mean? You can call your insurance company. Explain to me, what does, what do I have to prove medically necessary? Hmm. Use the language that they gave you. I think another important step is, too, is for our patients to know what their benefits are. Yes. And to understand if it wasn't covered, why? Yes. And whether Agreed. there are exceptions to that, exceptions to why. Often sometimes things are denied because they quote unquote aren't covered, but there are exceptions or certain reasons why they can override that exception. Okay. Yeah, I definitely, I, I mean, I, I know when I've made uh, conversations before with other groups that pe- people typically spend more time planning their vacation than they do looking at their benefits and you only yes. look at your benefits when you need them. Right. So, correct. Um, so know your benefits. That's a great one, Lori. And I think the other um, from my vantage point is to take names and to document 
and and save reference that numbers. documentation. Okay. Reference numbers yep. is a big thing. And that's and a, it's hard reference. to remember. If you ask for a reference number and then you call the, because every time you call the insurance company, as Monica was saying with her patient, she was speaking to multiple different people and they're all, some of the responses are inconsistent. Do you have that reference number? That person that you're talking to, go back to that call and see exactly what was documented or what the patient was told at that time. Reference numbers are really good things to remember when you're calling, ask for when you're okay. calling your insurance company. Okay. So be persistent, use specific language, know your benefits, get the reference number, and save documentation, taking names of each person you mm -hmm. speak with, even at your doctor's mm -hmm. office, right, to make sure that you're continuing to speak with the same person. Um, yes. Anything else? Hmm. Might is right. <laughs> Norma <It's>, Ray. <laughs> yes, yes. Be, have faith in yourself. Have faith that if you know that you are right and you've done everything that you're supposed to do and you followed the procedures, everything that they want, don't stop. Again, that's persistence, but you're right. Okay. Right. If it's, if it's in the benefit plan, then you're entitled to your benefit, to your point. Yes. Early yes. on. Um, so I... I appreciate all that you're doing on behalf of the patients. I know that it's sometimes a long slog, especially Lori, when you're doing the 30 <laughs> to 60 day cases that you feel like, okay, I'm waiting to hear. I'm waiting to hear. Yep. When am I going to hear? Mm -hmm. So um, thank you for sharing that story, Monica and Lori for talking about those MRIs. I, I will, uh, have you back on so we can talk a little bit more. Perhaps we'll know about your case by then, Monica. That would be nice to know. It would be a good, be uh, awesome. a good Thanksgiving day. Uh, it decision. would be great for her. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you both for joining me again and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Thank you Betty. for having happy us. Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find the Lighting Your Way podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a review. You can learn all about Guardian Nurses Healthcare Advocates on our website, guardiannurses.com. So until next time, find some joy in your life, pet all the good doggies and kitties, and remember to tell your people that you love them. Take care.